Hi everyone, I'm Caroline Hill, I'm Editor-in-Chief of Legal IT Insider and welcome to Charting Change in Legal Wear. I'm here with Ari Kaplan. <sighs> Hi everyone, I'm an analyst that covers legal. This is our 10th episode, Caroline. Can you believe right. it? We're in yeah. double digits. It's amazing. Wow, this thing has really taken off. <laughs> I've, I've gotten I've gotten lots of calls from the uh, legal media, especially those who were in the picture of us with a Chewbacca at 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 Ilticon, and uh, I can't remember a more entertaining uh, legal event. I really that was a, that was a lot of fun. It was great to see you there in person and live, and uh, yeah, it was yeah. Uh, it was nice. Was it was nice to catch up. It was so nice to catch up. It was a classic photo, us and Chewbacca, kind of summed up this ilta for me. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, was a uh, great event. It was great, it, and it was great to see you. It was a great event. It kind of reminded me, actually, of the value of being at an event in Disney World, to be honest. Like, I went to something, we went to something at Hollywood Studios, and then, of course, there was the I Managed Party at Epcot Center, and there were just lots of opportunities to enjoy that area. I don't feel like with other events in other cities, you tend to get that as much. Right. Of course you get, you know, if you're in New York city, you get the wonderful uh, place where I grew up. So that's great. I say, the, network, the networking this year was great. Um, I spoke to, we're going to come on to talk about what we spoke about in a bit more detail, but I spoke to Tony McKenna, who's the new president of ILTA, and he was talking about the numbers um, and they had like 3,400 people there roughly um and he was talking about that app that they used Bizaboo. um yeah. and he, according to the app he he networked with or he con connected with 400 people which is a lot right it's a huge amount but he said he pointed out he's like it's interesting because it's just a scratch on the surface of the number of people who were there which is quite an interesting take on it well, one of the things I really like about events like that is is that you can do nothing and run into someone that you want to see. And I think that that's a wonderful part of it and one of the reasons why people make the time. And of course, I, I'm a big fan of Joy Heath Rush. And I remember when ILTA was trying to figure out what to do in the heat of the pandemic. So it's an incredible testament to her leadership, frankly, and to you know, the volunteers like Tony who have guided that organization. It was, you, I, I think there's only, I only have positive things to say. It was just uh, nice to be around and I was lucky to be on a panel and to moderate a bunch of other discussions, which I'm happy to talk about, but it was just, you know, there was a, my sense, I'll just say that my sense of that summing it up, my sense was, Legal has come to this watershed moment of realizing that it's not the IT leaders alone or the legal operations leaders alone or the general counsel alone or the law firm partners alone, that this needs to be a holistic approach to driving change in the profession. Otherwise, there's always going to be a gap. There's not going to yeah. be a sufficient amount of buy-in. We're not going to get to this optimal place of technology implementation and experimentation and acceptance. And I felt like this event, because of the programming, the kinds of panels that they offer, the kinds of networking that, that existed, showed this movement. And we feel like we had entered this new phase of legal, which was very exciting, especially for folks like us who've been studying yeah. it for a long time. 
and uh, really, yeah, it was really a lot of fun. I think they they definitely got more way to go on the in in house side, but they're making great effort, right? Like it's always been tricky to bring those sides together. Obviously, you've got Clock, which has struggled with how to bring law firms on board because they tend to be the ones selling to the legal ops people. So I know that they've been trying to work out for a long time how to connect the two, but without diluting or muddying those channels where legal ops people can network and and chat without. <laughs> without having law firms pitching them um and they've sort of they've had that struggle and I, and I know that obviously um Ilta has always been perceived as being sort of a law firm event but they did seem to make a big effort this year with bringing legal ops a, a legal ops stream um which is which is great to see well on that on that note actually I was asked to facilitate a two-day series of discussions with corporate legal leaders it was called Corporate Legal Day, but I'm assuming they meant Corporate Legal Days, and there were two of them, and it was fascinating because it was a it was a collaboration between ILTA and Clock, and yeah. there was a series of conversations around key issues, and those issues were sparked and led by different participating vendors, and yeah they were not selling but rather fostering a dialogue where people could freely talk about what the challenges were and had experts from those vendors asking questions and listening and learning and so it was a great i can only hope that i will be invited back and that they continue to do this and it grows because you had the first day certainly i did a fireside chat with mike haven who's the president of clock and also farrah pepper the vice president was there and jack thompson led it and it just it was a really visionary thoughtful way to get the technologists and the legal operations leaders to align and think about some of these issues and so i would be i would imagine that the, the law firm community will be part of that some set of those conversations going forward for sure, for sure. And and what were the key, you know, I'll come on to talk about what the key themes are from the from the G100. But what were the key themes that came out, would you say, from from the clock sessions? You know, I think that what's very interesting to me is so I'm in the midst of finishing up my research for an annual general counsel report that I do in collaboration with FTI and Relativity. And one of the questions that I, I asked is do you have a dedicated legal operations professional in your law department? And because I'm speaking to a cross section of, of general counsel from all over the world, my, my ultimate objective is to speak to half in the US and half outside the US. And what's interesting is that when people say yes, then I say, what is the expand, you know, how would you characterize the expansiveness of that person's role? And it's been pretty interesting to see the differences. So I wouldn't say that everyone says, "Oh, legal operations person is the is the Jane of all trades or the Jack of right." They're the Swiss Army knife of our law department. A lot of people say, "Well, their focus is finance or their focus is tech," and you know we're hoping that expands, but the team is small. I think that one of the takeaways was you really need, even if you're a legal operations team of one. You're 
there's an expectation now that you're really adept at a lot of different things. I mean, it's a complex role. It's not unlike being a one, you know, like a one lawyer law department where the general counsel does everything. That person really needs to know how to navigate key issues, how to balance internal resources and external expense. And I think that that was one of the one of the many takeaways. I'm, in fact, in the process of sort of putting the takeaways together so that I can share it on behalf of of Clock and Lilda. Just as a short aside, I went yesterday to a conference. It was this whole thing is an aside. (laughs) (laughs) When we actually talk about substantive stuff, I'm like, wow, that's pretty impressive. The whole thing is a total aside. So, yes. (laughs) We, we never have a plan. Like if the plan you is, there is the no plan. Was in Chewbacca, so you knew it was going downhill from there. <laughs> so I went to Tom to Reuters Legal Leaders Conference in in London, and they it was um, all, all about co- the corporate legal um, side, and they had one where they had a bunch of legal ops people's people on their panel, and and um, they asked the audience, which was interesting, of, of mostly in-house people, how many how many um, legal teams had a legal ops person or team and only three of them in the audience it was a relatively big audience um only three of them raised their hand um which was quite surprising and then of those how many of them um were not lawyers aka you know they've brought in a sort of professional legal ops person um and none no, there were none um so it's quite interesting i thought um but yeah no i'm glad i'm glad they're doing the, the i'm glad that clock's involved it, because it's for the benefit of everybody right like um but just to go to um sort of switch switch over to the G100. So I talked to Tony McKenna, who um is now officially the president. He got elected in May, but um he was officially uh, became president or he became on the 31st of August. Um and the G100 session, it's closed. So obviously there's always like a lot of you know desire to know what people were talking about. Um and business partners aren't allowed to go. So he he shared some of the key themes that came out from that, which I thought was really interesting. And obviously, you won't be surprised to hear that the main one was Gen AI, um, but it was about how it, how people are going to be using Gen AI in their applications and and what approach they're taking to that. Um, in terms of a lot of people that um, were present, said that they were looking at making hires um, and bringing people in who understood Gen AI to start looking at how to deliver um, various applications. Um, Tony said that within his firm, he's not taking that approach at all, that he, because you've got so many business partners, so many vendors um, developing their own technology and they've got the expertise, they've got the resource. Um, and that he said that their, his firm, Howard Kennedy, is very much relying on business partners um, who have that expertise to help them um, in an advisory and perhaps delivery capacity, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, And then the other thing that came out, um, not surprising again, was the cost um, point, which, um, you know, they're talking about when it's being pitched as a kind of no brainer, you know, when you come to the the likes of Copilot or Teams, um, it's being pitched as a, a no-brainer, um, but Tony was like, the conversation was around how are we going to sell that to our CEO and CFO when it costs so much money, right? And he was saying it's all very well to call it a no-brainer, but actually when it costs, so Copilot costs as much as your enterprise license. Um, so obviously the cost structure came up quite recently, and he's saying that it's it's not insignificant. Um, so so there was a lot of conversation around that as well. Um, so I thought that was that was quite interesting. Perhaps not surprising, but but nonetheless quite interesting. Well, I 
I like these conversations around AI and generative AI and actually getting to the point of defining what we mean when we're talking about AI, right? I think that that's a every, – every time I, I feel like I facilitate a program now, it always starts with some definitional moment. We have to define what we mean by X before we can start talking about the challenges and opportunities and best practices and action plan for going forward. And my sense is that we're kind of getting there. You're starting to see this dialogue, sometimes heated, sometimes uh, colorful on social media where people are exchanging ideas and some people agree, some people disagree. I think it's all really healthy and it's smart. And the one thing that I, I feel like I'm noticing, especially because I've – when I talk to law firm leaders about this and they ask, well, how much should I focus on generative AI, the, the question about other fundamental issues around their activities always tend to come up. So, oh, should we launch a generative AI this or that? And then I say, well, I don't know. How good are your lawyers at getting their time in on schedule? And they all laugh because they're terrible at it. And so that's a much more fundamental issue than whether you should have some some piece of technology draft a letter for you. And I think that that, that is what's happening. It's not unlike when – I remember when uh, in the old days, every time I seemed to want to update like a Palm Pilot, I've now totally dated myself, or uh, some gadget. I inevitably needed like a new computer, and it was super irritating to me. Or I had to, I had to delete all of the files in my hard drive so that I can create space for some new software. And I think we're kind of in that moment now, where people are trying to figure out, okay, if I do do this, and now people are talking about it, what do I need to clean up or fix or 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 right size in my own portfolio that will allow me to get that done and now I can focus on this new thing? Or could this new thing do that for me? But I feel like people are starting to look at the array of things that they're finding challenging and trying to decide where this fits into that and can I solve the old problem before I start creating something new? And all really healthy. And I, I also think we're kind of pushing toward the practical now. It's not theoretical as much. We certainly haven't gotten to the practical, but beyond the wow of it all, we may be getting to a point of, uh, you know, just sort of something that's that's more productive. I, I got the sense, though, that uh, Ilta, that um, so in fact, not just got the sense, but spoke to people who, who were talking to me about, oh, it's all hype, you know, um, Gen AI, you know, there's so much hype around it. The word hype comes up. And actually, just right before the conference, Gartner published its AI um, cycle, and and Gen AI is right at the top of the, the 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 you know the curve and ready to fall down into the trough of disillusionment, which I think has got this great names like something out of Flash Gordon. But anyway, but um, and so I spoke at the conference and published an article afterwards um, to Casey Flaherty, who is now Lex Fusion, but obviously you'll know him from his in-house career as well. Um, and I thought it was, for me, it was really helpful um, because I feel like people have lulled themselves a little bit into this sense of, um, we can wait, right? We can, I haven't, I didn't, there are some, there are lots of vendors who are moving into very early stage, quite immature, products right so you've got the productivity moving but but from a buyer perspective 
I think that it's very, very varied. And obviously it depends on the size of the firm and the amount of resource and, and understanding. There's a lot of confusion, not surprisingly. Um, and so the Casey was talking about just because there's hype doesn't mean that it's not an, in, an inflection point. And he was saying, you know, it'd be dangerous for people to lull themselves into this feeling that, oh, it's really hyped. We'll wait till things calm down. Because he said that where we're at now is so inflection and hype always go together right and um he said that right now it's yes the products are immature yes it's like wave one of legal products um and yes not all of them are even going to work um but he said there will be another phase where we have second generation products which are better we'll have more investment which we've already started the investment um and he said he said it's dangerous to wait because right now you need to be learning you don't necessarily he wasn't saying you need to go and start buying every bit of tech <laughs> under the sun and and particularly if you don't understand it or particularly if you've got all that work to do but um but so now is the time to be you know learning understanding because it's moving so quickly um and that if you wait that, that before you know it'll be completely out of touch um which i thought was really interesting and it's it's going to be a real challenge it's like how do how do firms you know they're gonna need they need to make some of them are this is something Tony McCann has said actually that came out of G100 and other conversations is that people are now creating Gen AI forums right so you've got your risk you've got your marketing you've got your tech head you know um and they're coming together to sort of discuss whether whether it be how you know who's involved in in learning and also potentially moving to proof of concept quite a lot of firms are, are sort of playing around with stuff which I think is really reassuring although um you know i think a lot of firms are still just in slight you know panic mode to be honest with you from some of the firms i spoke to they said you know we haven't even mastered cloud <laughs> we haven't mastered you know all sorts of things that probably got worse during the pandemic we we haven't mastered a lot of that like you said you know they've got all of these other issues um and now they've got this new thing which they have to be on top of yeah and in, in- a number of my conversations, this issue of policies comes up and, you know, shadow AI issues and preparedness for some of these concerns. And some of the more forward thinking folks that I, I feel like I've talked to have suggested creating a policy to sort of give people guardrails, but make that policy broad enough that there's a, a sense of freedom that from an in-house perspective, that's just consistent with the idea of legal never being considered the department of no, because that was historically a concern and a challenge for the legal department to build trust so that people would come to the folks in the legal department as opposed to avoid them because they feel like they would just kill every idea that uh, it was it was available because of the risk factors. And I think in law firms, there is this understanding, and I, you know, Tony is – you know, going to be a wonderful president. And I've known him for, I've been lucky to know him for a number of years and he's just a great leader in our space, but he's right. There needs to be this interdependence where the law firms rely on the vendors whose business it is to maximize the deployment of these tools. It's not the business of a law firm to do that, even if you have the smartest technology folks in in, in the room like Tony. So that realization and that suggestion and that recommendation is A, why he's president of the, you know, the International Legal Technology Association, but also 
one of the most important things that people can take away is and, and I think honestly I think it just goes all the way back to what I said at first it was like my key takeaway theme at ILTA which was that no single group in isolation is going to be able to do this alone it's why clock and ILTA have have aligned and shared conversations and it's why someone like Casey who I you know, I have tremendous respect for and, and, and I'm a fan of, but, you know, he's known for creating the legal tech assessment, a very practical way to gain very fundamental skills that will create tremendous efficiency. And so it's not surprising to me that he's trying to kind of move people from, yes, understanding the the deep nuances of what this new application does and could do, but also pushing people into Look, push this button like this is if you click this, you will be able to automate this and it will transform your work habits. And I think that's kind of what what we'd like to see. But the other really interesting thing, and, and you know, again, I heard this, you talking about risk, right? So people were saying, you know, I, I've been talking about risk forever when with in the context of you've got the privacy issues, you've got all kinds of issues that are very legitimate, real concerns. Um, and then we so we came onto that, and he said, Casey said, well, when before the advent of lawyers using email, he said, Professor Richard Richard Siskin, who you and I both talked about, we both have a lot of respect for, he's known for telling people what's going to happen before it happens. He, when he said that people would be using email um, as a form of communication, apparently he was, um, you know, told, everyone said that he was mad, and and it was outrageous that he would suggest this because it was a he presented a huge risk to client confidentiality. And Casey made the point. He said, "Well, that is all true. All of the concerns around email are all true when it comes to discovery, which obviously you're very heavily involved in that world. It makes things much more discoverable, you know. Or it, and it, it, there are so many things that email does not help with. Or, or you know, you've got." all sorts of breaches that occur with sharing information to the wrong people and this has happened you know but does that mean that people don't use email no it doesn't and does that mean that it, it is a risk yes it's a risk but it's something that you know people will understand and they'll mitigate against and you know and that but it doesn't mean that there's no risk right there's a risk in all technology and I thought for me that was really clarifying because you know, we've been as, as sort of the mind journalist circle. I think we've been approaching this every time with going, right? What are the risks? What are the risks? And we we have to be clear about that. It's not that it's wrong to ask those questions, but it's like the, that kind of acceptance that yes, there are that yes, there are risks, right? There's risks with every technology. Does that mean it's the wrong thing? No. And I thought that for me that was quite interesting. But it's important to recognise certainly that when I ask leaders about risks and I say, oh, can you rank your top five risks or what's the greatest risk to business today? They're prioritizing data privacy or data protection or regulatory compliance or the emergence of, of new data sources or the increased number of disputes and investigations. The implications of artificial intelligence or these new are, are, are just have not risen to that level yet in many ways because they're they're Either they're not using it or they're not fully understanding where, you know, where it could be, but there are a, a number of higher priority risk factors in, in corporate legal and, and law firms certainly, especially as we start entering this sort of very uncertain economic climate. You see firms yeah. are starting to 
you know, make changes to hiring and make changes to staffing. And, you know, is it, there's a potential to be a really challenging moment in the profession. So, and, and the implications of that, uh, you know, AI on that may be, you know, something that people should be thinking about, but people yeah. don't talk about that. You know, the, the no, they don't. Oh, I mean, it's just a bionic. You'll be bionic. It's not going to do anything. <laughs> not a robot, just a bionic lawyer. It's just like a comical, it's like, come on, you, you, you some things you won't do anymore. And that's, uh, that will, change the nature of, of what it looks like but that's I, I feel like that's a conversation for a, a, another it might be a cause, yeah but, well, because yeah. with the cost perspective yeah. when you know when they're talking about cost there's an acknowledgement that something has to give right and that's that, that may be a conversation people don't want to have but it's a, it's a reality there are things that it will speed up right it will do th- the cost is a, a really interesting conversation because <laughs> it, it will do things much quicker it will enable things to happen some things not everything and the sort of the more routine automatable is that word um stuff will be you know it'll, there'll be a cost saving because it will take someone either you know you'll be able to reduce that headcount being completely frank you know the, but i'm not saying that there won't be jobs there'll be you know different jobs but you know this is just it's um yeah i think perhaps more honesty and again yeah i agree for another time but more honesty is needed in terms of what that really looks like well, also, it'll give people – so in the same way from a from career perspective, in the same way that I think people having these healthy, thoughtful discussions about AI, in the same way that I think that will help them figure out what they, what they are getting right and wrong in their portfolios, how their processes work, you know, how they can kind of take care of some of these issues that have been lingering like – getting your time in on schedule, et cetera. I think from a career perspective, people will think, you know, what do I really like doing? I think about this all the time, you know, like I, what, what are the things that I, I love to host my corporate council dinners, right? I love, you know, I love to host the virtual lunch. I, I love those kinds of things. Some of the sort of deep thought work that I get bogged down in uh, that's super time consuming. I'm like, oh, is there some other way that I can make that more efficient? I think it'll give people It'll, it will give each of us as individuals, it will give leaders of organizations the chance to try to figure out where are people best deployed and is there an element of that that I can remove so that they can do more of what they're great at. So in that sense, I really think there's a bionic aspect to this, but the idea that some people are just doing stuff that they either don't like or not suited to and technology is going to is going to take that i think that that's true and you know those people uh i include myself in this you know we really all need to think about what do we really like to do what are we really unique at what are we good at what where do we want to spend our time where do we provide the most value and that's uh, you know gives us a real opportunity which i which i i think is is, is going to be wonderful yeah no i agree i mean just as a slight um i'm not going to say aside again <laughs> but um i spoke to it's because we talk about this all the time and in the legal sector obviously this we know all about chat gpt you, you figure that everybody knows about it but kind of this does have a relevance even though it doesn't sound it so i was speaking to a friend of mine about she wanted to create a match report for her, her son's rugby team and I showed her ChatGPT, right? She was like, oh, I don't think it's going to be possible because we can't write all this content. Nobody, none of the parents are volunteering to help. And I showed her with the most basic, tiny information about 
so-and-so scored a try, so-and-so scored a try, generate a match report. I showed to ChatGPT and it was like I'd done something magic, right? Because obviously it immediately creates this brilliant match report. And she literally looked at me like, what is this witchcraft, right? And it was the most amazing thing to see. Like she literally just looked at me like, what just happened? And it had her son's name in it. He scored the first try in a thrilling match, you know, blah, blah, blah. She just went, how did you do this? And I, and it kind of goes to that point, you know, like we, so within our work life, I don't, and then I don't use it really, to be honest with you. I, I don't know why I should really use it more, but um, yeah, there's going to be all sorts of things where people are going to be using it and it's going to be like magic, right? It's going to be magic in terms of taking time away from things that do not need to take all that time. They don't need to anymore. They just don't, you know, marketing is going to be able to generate quite potentially cool material at the, you know with just very basic information as long as they read it and make sure that it's not rubbish <laughs> well as a as a, a just to just to ensure that people who are listening know that this entire discussion is a complete aside uh <laughs> I, will, I, I will uh digress and say that when my daughter was little and played soccer she played soccer with all of her best friends and uh, we were very we we're very close to the parents of those children and uh, my friend one of the parents and i his name happens to also be ari and so we used to co-author or share responsibility for the for the write-ups for these games. And I love my daughter and all the you know I love these kids, but the games were super boring. And so and you know we one one team would score one goal and we knew that was an insurmountable lead. And and the game would you know with these would, you know they're little kids. And so we would write up these ridiculous <laughs> summaries of the game. Oh, and Susie flew in the air like, you know, with wings. She, she she catapulted and just barely missed the goal. And we were just like, it almost touched the net, but it ended up hitting a oh, – I think it hit a parent. And, like, you know, <laughs> we would just make up all kinds of – I would wonder yeah. to compare our write-ups of those games with ChatGPT and C. Who would come out victorious? Wow, Nike. Anyway, I think I think yours win. I think yours win. I'm not gonna lie. We had so much fun, and we would send it to each other, like, oh, don't forget Johnny. Uh, you know, the the brother who ran onto the field was just like such a funny. We would be like, yes, that's right. Uh, Hey, listen, before we wrap up, and I guess we should probably leave it on this. I just wanted to give you a, a kind of compliment. Uh, no, I just want to give you like you know some suggestion for how I could make you, everything your better. Your brand, your brand. So Tony mentioned to me, and I just wanted to give you credit for this. Um, so your your Wednesday run that you do at Ilta, coming mm-hmm. back to that, <laughs> coming back from our child stories. Um, so you did a run on the Wednesday morning at six, as you usually do, and Tony said that it was one of the highlights of his conference because you gave a little talk at the beginning. Um, and I don't know if you want to share but um you said it he's Tony said it was really meaningful because you shared that do you mind me saying yeah yeah no no I'm happy to say it. so so I run in memory of my friend uh, Alex Hannon who was a young man who had had developed lung cancer never smoked but was a runner and uh, I've done many of these at, at any of the legal conferences that I attend I, I try to host a run partially because I want to make sure to run and it kind of holds me accountable. But I, I've learned that there are a lot of people that would like to have other people to run with, especially because early it's dark and it's, you know, it kind of motivates you. But I, at the beginning of every run, 
I always say, you know, you know, we're busy and it's early, but gosh, how lucky we are to wake up, have air in our lungs and be able to be with colleagues and friends and just run. It and that was, and that, oh, was yeah. that was really meaningful to Tony. Oh. He said, Do you know what? He said it was the highlight of his conference. And it was he said that for him summarized the spirit of the sector. And um so I just oh, that's to awesome. that. yeah, it was it was really meaningful. And do you know what this is an unusually serious note for us to end on, but I guess we probably have to wrap up. Otherwise you and I will be like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, have, have next time when you want to say that, have a have a, another compliment. I love to end on a compliment, and uh, and also think of, of of my friend Alex, and and also of running. So uh, I'm hosting another run at Relativity Fest, which is always they do a really nice job as well. So we'll see if we can exceed the numbers. But certainly, I'll say I'll I'll close with the fact that this was the first time I'd ever been at a conference where I was hosting a run, well where I was confident I would not be alone. So, oh, yeah. yeah, no, no, you never know. I mean, I've never, I've never been alone. There are always people show up, but it's always like, oh, is anybody going to come? But at this one, I knew that people were coming and I knew it was a great crowd and a great community and I was honored to be there. So, Caroline, uh, 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 great conversation. This entire aside has been fantastic. And uh, I look forward <laughs> to our next change episode. the name. It's Caroline and Ari's aside. Aside, <laughs> a.k.a. <laughs> That's that's Johnny Change like, Legal, aka the long aside. The long aside. Uh, anyway, we're gonna rebrand. Right. We're gonna rebrand. Okay, until next time. Awesome. All right, thank you.